0: The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. I know that's a different way of starting, but it has a purpose. Uh, We've, for the last few weeks, been talking about the Nativity and taking different pieces and characters and things from the Nativity to hopefully learn truths of how to better worship God and live for Him during this holiday season, this Christmas season. Uh, And what we've done, uh, two weeks ago, we we looked at the wise men of the Magi and we saw that they uh, kept focused on Jesus, that they gave the better gifts, and then last week we literally looked at the manger, the the horse trough that Jesus would be laid in at his birth, and we saw the simplicity of that and how oftentimes we go nuts for Christmas and and we lose the simplicity and the truth of who Jesus is and what's going on, and then today uh, what we're taking from the nativity is Mary, and so I I was going to sing that for you, but I've been a little hoarse, Um, so I let let them do it. But it really just asks this question, you know, did, did Mary know, like, as this teenage girl, did she know that when she kissed her little baby, she kissed the face of God? Uh, Well, I'm going to say with pretty great certainty, yes, yes, she did. And the passage we're going to look at today is in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to be in a bunch of verses. And it's a beautiful passage, and we're going to take a, a picture of Mary and, and hopefully learn some incredible, valuable truth from her. So that's what we're going to do, but uh, we can't do that just yet, okay? Because today's a really big day. It's a monumental day. It's a historic day. December 17, 2017, is the day where Summit Church and University Christian Church officially come together. So I just want to say welcome. Um, <clears throat> Welcome to the family, and it is, it's a family because we are all brothers and sisters due to our great Heavenly Father, God, and so it's a family that I want and hope and pray we will do much more together than we ever could have done apart, and I know there's probably just a ton of emotion and a bunch of feelings and you're in a new environment, but I, I pray that you feel welcome, UCC, I pray that you feel apart because uh, we're one, we are one, and we have a vision and a mission and a dream and I believe a God-given command to reach Norman, And in UCC over the past year, it's been a joy to get to know you and to get to see how God is moving in and through you and to see now how we can work together to fulfill the mission that you've been living out for 51 years, and now we get to do it together. So I I pray, I pray that this is just beautiful, it's unifying, it's God, and he gets all the glory, but welcome seriously to UCC. And and then second, uh, I do not do this to give any kind of uh, glory to man, but I want you to know this. Uh, This morning, there were three worship leaders scheduled to be on stage, none of whom showed up because all of them are puking their brains out. Um, The the flu, I guess, is real. Um, So as opposed to leading us in worship, they're worshiping the porcelain god today, Um, and that is is too bad. Hunter, that really, really cute, smiley big guy that led that song, um, he was supposed to play banjo today. That's it. He wasn't supposed to sing anything, and uh, and so he steps in. We called Jerrica literally out of bed, so she runs up. She wasn't supposed to sing. They changed all the songs at 8 a.m. this morning, and, and they just rolled with it, and I'm thankful that we have a team that can do that. When, when everyone's down and out, they step up. So, yeah, that's, it's just. And so when, we, when they come back out here and we, they lead through the response time, the, the one thing I want you just sing real loud, okay? You, you, you just sing real, real loud and let them know that you love them and you support them, okay? So that's, that's what we're going to do. Uh, we're in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Let's pray as you're turning there and ask God to come and speak mighty things to us this morning. Father in heaven, we thank you for who you are and we thank you for all that you do And we ask you today, Lord, that you can come and speak to us through your word, that you will give us life and light and truth, and Lord, that we would not just hear it, but we would apply that truth to our life, and we would leave here looking more like you. Jesus, we know that we need your Holy Spirit for that to be accomplished, so come and just fill this room, meet us exactly where we're at, and Lord, let us look more like you as we leave here. It's in your name we pray, amen. Men. Okay, so before we dive into Luke chapter 1, uh, Mary, who who is this young woman who becomes the mother of the Son of God? Who, who is she? Well, kind of scholars d- debate her age. Most put her between 13 and 18 years of age. Okay, 13 to 18 years of age. I think it was probably on that lower side, 13, 14, 15 years old. Uh, that's not as gross as it sounds in first century Palestine, that is when you got married, that is when you started having a family, uh, so that, that's kind of fitting, but as I always ask you, as we're walking through this passage this morning, I want whoever you are to see the story through the lens of a, of a 14-year-old girl. I, I think it's important because we're going to learn some amazing things from Mary, from who she is and and what she does, but let's not allow our own bias, our presuppositions, or even our view to really skew that. we got to see this through the lens of a very young woman who was chosen by God for an amazing job. I think we can learn from her, despite the fact that she's just a young woman, she had her world absolutely rocked. And I think we need to be sensitive to that. And so as we start to read, let's put ourselves into the story here. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, not Mary's, Elizabeth is probably Mary's great aunt. Elizabeth is very old. She's she's a relative in some way, shape, or form, probably a great aunt. Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. Okay, you just kind of put those pieces together. So Elizabeth is carrying John the Baptist. She's six months ahead of Mary. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Gabriel's this messenger of God. He has something important to say. They're in the town of Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. Joseph was a descendant of David. I've always kind of found this comical. It's, it's stated in the Old Testament that Jesus or the Messiah would come through the line of David. And Joseph is a part of the line of David, but Joseph ain't the daddy. So I've always kind of found that funny, like, you're the line of David. Well, you're God, so it's cool. It still works. Uh, The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. Now, angels give messages all the time. But this message starts off, straight and direct, you, young girl, God finds great favor in you. God sees you, and when he looks at you, he sees something very special. And then the angel goes on to say that the Lord is with you. The presence of God is upon you. And I got to ask this one question then, in, in light of that, why Of all the virgins, of all the teenage virgins in Galilee, in the world for that matter, why her? Why this young girl pledged to be married to this man in the town of Nazareth? Why her? I think finding out the answer to that question will help us learn the truth that God wants us to see from this story today. Why Mary? We get our first clue in the next few verses, verses 29 to 30. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, typically when angels appear, humans lose their mind. They're terrified. We talked about that last week when the the angels came to the shepherds, and the shepherds are out in the field counting their sheep, and and they go, what is happening? And the angel has to say, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. It's, It's okay. Now, the angel will respond with don't be afraid here in just a moment. But I don't see a ton of fear right now, Mary. She asks, "What kind of a, what kind of a greeting is that? You're a messenger of God. You came down from heaven, and you're telling me this young little. You're telling me God finds great favor in me. This, this can't be. I'm just a, I'm just a young girl. I'm engaged to a carpenter. He's not even that awesome. Like I'm just like, I, I." I've, I've worshiped you, God, since the day I was born, and now you're telling me that I'm highly favored by you? That's too much. That's What is this greeting? That's immense humility. Now, I, obviously, I'm not the most humble person in the world, but an angel of the Lord comes to me and is like, God thinks you're awesome. I'm like, I think he's pretty cool, too. Thank you. You know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's right, that's a, that's a wonderful statement, Angel. Tell ditto, man. Tell him right back. She goes, No, 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 that I can't that's not me. That's humility. I think that's partly why God chose Mary. God favors not the proud, but the humble. And she was. You you can't talk to me that way. I don't deserve that kind of praise from God. I understand who God is. My theology is correct. My self-awareness is even more correct. I'm I'm really, in all extents and purposes, a nobody. I'm a child of God. But who is he to favor me? Her humility is incredible. But the angel says in verse 30, do not be afraid, Mary. You, you, it's not a mistake, you have found great favor with God. It's no mistake. God's going to do something spectacular in and through you. And it's because of who you are. I think it's because of your humility before God. Verse 31, here's the bomb that comes out. So at this point, it's just been a nice little chat between an angel and Mary. Verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. Now even at that point, Mary's just like, all right, I mean, I'm going to get married. I'll probably have a boy. If God wants me to name him Jesus, that's cool. Like, I don't have to read the book now. I mean, just name him Jesus. The name Jesus has great meaning. The same angel four months from now will visit Joseph and will give him the same instructions. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. The angel is saying, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. It's a loose translation of the name of Jesus, Savior. He's going to save all people from their sins. And I'm, it's not recorded that the angel tells Mary that, but the name has significance. So you're going, to, you're going to give birth to a son, and that son is going to save the people from all their sins. Now, that's getting big. like That's, that's already big. Okay. So I'm going to have a pretty special young man. That's awesome. That's, that's wonderful. He's going to be the Messiah. But it changes dramatically here in verse 32 he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high the lord god will give him the throne of his father david and he will reign over jacob's descendants forever his kingdom will never end oh that that's that's an impressive young young man sit in the throne of david Reign over all of Jacob's descendants. I'm one of Jacob's descendants. All of Israel is are Jacob's descendants. That's this, that. That means he's the. He, oh wow! He's he's the one. In his kingdom, it's not just going to be temporary, like David's and Solomon's. No, his kingdom will what never end. This young man's going to be very special. And it's not who this young man will be that has Mary concerned. Look at verse 34. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. I'm a virgin. You told me I'm going to have a boy, and I, like, I've, I didn't pay a lot of attention in biology, but they, I haven't done what you need to do to have a baby. And I love the innocence of that. But God has a plan, right? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God.
1: So Mary, did you know that the baby boy
0: that you deliver will one day deliver you? Mary, did you know the baby's face that you'll kiss? you kiss the Son of God. Did Did you know that? Yep, she did. Because the angel said, you are not going to conceive naturally. It is going to be an immaculate conception. You are going to give birth to whom? The Son of God. And she goes, okay. That's big. I'm obviously immature, 37, but I'm, immature, I'm an immature 37. And so it, it is hard for me to read that account because I, I still just don't understand like what actually occurred for her to conceive the Son of God, and I think better just leave it alone for, for all intents and purposes. But just want you to know if you feel awkward by that, you should. Okay, like it's it's we just don't know how that worked, but it did. And verse thirty six, the angel can see in Mary that she's a little hesitant, maybe like he just gave or, or we we're all there, right? Like you're in her shoes. You just heard that. It, you're, even though you're virgin, you're going to be pregnant, and it's not by man; it's by God, and then you're going to have God's baby. Like you just heard that, right? You, you're, you're, you're tripping out with her, correct? At this point, kind of wondering how all that's going to work. So the angel throws her, those are a little bone here. She says, "Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month." You know, old great aunt Elizabeth, the barren one, it's always wanted a baby, couldn't have one. Well, yeah, she hasn't really put out the Facebook announcement yet, but she's pregnant. Six months along, and Mary goes, interesting, but hear what the angel says, for no word from God will ever fail, amen, amen. No, when God says it's going to be, it's going to be. If God promises to do it, he's going to do it. And God came six months ago and told, told Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, you're, you're going to have a son. He's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. And Zechariah didn't believe it at first, so God strikes him mute. And sure enough, Elizabeth is pregnant. Look at verse 38. This is one of those verses you probably ought to have underlined in your Bible. Mary has just been told that she will give birth to the Son of God. Okay? And her response is this. I am the Lord's servant. Here I am. Send me. What a beautiful, humble, and obedient response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel said, see ya. And he left. The humility to say, I do not deserve God's favor. Then the obedience to hear this crazy plan and go, I'm the Lord's servant. Your will be done. Whatever it is you need to do, let's do it. I am the Lord's servant. Now, remember what she's being asked. You will carry God's baby. The response, I am the Lord's servant. Now, she may not know this yet, but in the back of her mind, she's got to be thinking, Joseph is going to flip out. He's going to flip out. But hey, I'm first and foremost the Lord's servant. I am beyond scared and confused. Right now, this all happened very quickly. Things escalated quickly. But my response I am the Lord's servant. You want me to be the one who will carry the Son of God? Let's do this for one reason because I am the Lord's servant. And that church, I believe, are the two reasons why this young teenage girl in a little bitty town was seen by God and highly favored because she is humble and obedient. And God can change the world with just a few people who are humble and obedient. I am your servant, Lord, whatever you say. Now, for whatever reason, whether she's scared or whether she wants to go confirm what the angel just said, Mary takes off and she heads to Judea. She heads to Judea to her relative Elizabeth's house to see this baby in her belly. Okay, I think... It's a little bit of both. I think Mary was scared, and she kind of wanted to get out of town in the process, but I also think she wanted to confirm this angel was speaking truth. So she leaves, verse 39 through 45. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. I don't know that necessarily the hurried defines how she traveled, like her pace over the road. I think it defines more how quickly she got out of Nazareth. Now, I cannot confirm this. One way, shape, or form, okay? It is not written. So it, it could be completely untrue. But it is my opinion that Mary told no one about the visit from the angel. That's my opinion. I, I could be completely wrong on it because it doesn't say. But I think she went home, process went, I got to get out of here. Let's. I'm going to go see Elizabeth. She She's obviously involved in this. Maybe she'll have some some encouragement for me. She packs her bag and she leaves. And Joseph's got to be going, what, 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 where'd you go? But she hurried out when she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. We can skip right over that, but this is huge. The Holy Spirit would not fall for 33 more years on the day of Pentecost. And you've got this old lady, six months pregnant, who is now filled with the Holy Spirit quite prematurely. So I think the words that she speaks next are prophetic, if you will. I think they're the words of God to encourage Mary. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. A young girl just walked into a revered relative's home. A woman who she should honor. And that woman who should be given honor then exclaims, Blessed are you among every woman on this world. This earth is full of women, and you, Mary, are blessed above them all. For you are carrying the Son of my Lord. What high praise, what encouragement. And then she goes on and blesses the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth asks. How do I get this great blessing of seeing you, Mary, a few days along in your pregnancy? How in the world am I so lucky to get to have you in my house today? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Blessed are you, Mary. When you choose to be humble and obedient... When you choose to say, I'm your servant, Lord, sometimes what God calls us to do is a little difficult, like uh, bear the Son of God. Sometimes it's a little hard. So you know what God does in his infinite grace? He sometimes sends people into our immediate area to encourage us along the way. Mary ran. She ran 70 miles out in the hill country. Why did she do that? She did it probably because she's afraid. And the minute she walks in that house, what happens? God says, Let's encourage her. Let's 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 encourage her. Let's let her know how blessed she is. Let's let her know how important this is. Let's let her know how amazing this is. Let's encourage her. She's going to need some encouragement. Let's let's encourage her along the way. And He does, and He does that for us too. Because sometimes when we're choosing to be humble and we're choosing to be obedient to God, it doesn't necessarily create the easiest life, right? But in being humble and in being obedient, God sends us people along the way to encourage us. And I think that's what Elizabeth did here. Skip down to verse 56, if you will, in Luke chapter 1. Verse 56, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Okay, so... Um, if Elizabeth is roughly six months pregnant, she stayed for three more months, biology, she stayed till John was born. She got to see the baby, she got to change the diaper, and then she said, I probably ought to get back home. And she returns and goes the 60, 60, 70 miles back to Nazareth. Now remember, I don't think she told anyone where she was going. She's been gone for at least three months, probably longer. So when she walks back into town, she walks back into town three to four months pregnant. Can you imagine the looks? <laughs> Where have you been? Yeah, uh, your, your boyfriend's been here. <laughs> we know that. Where have you been, young lady? Shame, shame. Could you imagine how Joseph felt? Can you imagine? okay, this is new. I know for a fact it's not me. And so Scripture says that Joseph, being a good and upstanding man, had decided to just divorce Mary quietly. She comes back four months pregnant. I mean, thats he, he could have really ridiculed her, but he, he doesn't. I'll just quietly divorce you. You can obviously go do what whatever it is you're going to do. Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 again. But after he had considered this, Joseph, an angel of the Lord, appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Hey, I know this is, is going to sound far-fetched, but what's happening here is, is from God, and it's important. So just don't be afraid to keep her as your wife you will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name of Jesus, because he will save his people from all of their sins. Here's the interesting fact, though, church. The next five months for Joseph and Mary would have been a living hell, because there's not one person in that town that's ever going to believe that story. There's not one person who's going to be like, oh, of course you didn't, Joseph, or Mary, you didn't run off. It's... Not, not one person is ever going to believe that. So I, I imagine they may have tried to tell a few people once or twice, but then they just stopped talking. And can you say scandal? Like, it's one thing to be involved in a scandal, but then it's another thing to say, well, God did it. And it tr- we didn't do anything wrong. It was all God. And they're just like, "You okay. The embarrassment, the mocking, The pain that would have come with your entire family, your whole clan, your entire village looking at you and going, you guys are nuts. Not only are you sinners, you're liars. And then like to add insult to injury, five months goes by and it's time for the baby to come and it's like, well, now there's a census, so you got to go to Bethlehem. So hop on your donkey and travel 80 miles and... And deliver away from your hometown. Mary is incredibly revered to this very day. There's there's even some evangelicals who revere her a little too highly, and she deserves it. Like she deserves it, because that nine months, that wasn't easy. Sometimes being humble and obedient to God doesn't exactly win you a bunch of friends. Am I right? Sometimes following the Lord means that you're not going to be the most popular person in your town. But she stood the course. She did what she was called to do. Lord, I am your servant. Your will be done. And that's why today we revere Mary. And that's why today I think we can learn a lot from Mary. We don't worship her. But it's humble to be almost a 40-year-old man and to know that there is a great lesson I can learn from a 14-year-old girl. And it's a lesson we can all learn. And she sums it up in what's called Mary's Magnificat. It's a Latin word for my soul glorifies. Some of your Bibles call it Mary's Song. She, she went into this song of praise in front of Elizabeth. So we're actually kind of going chronologically back. But in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 50, I, I want you to just see what Mary says After the encouragement of Elizabeth, which I think she needed, here's what Mary said. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. That'd be a good worship song. So much pride. So much pride. Write that one. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And there we have a nice little bow tying together this whole sermon. In Mary's own words, God was mindful of me for why, why? because I'm humble and I'm his servant. Humble and obedient. She she herself says, those are the reasons. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Now that sounds awful arrogant. But she's worshiping God and saying, due to you, God, and what you're doing in and through me, others are going to look at me and, and think I'm special. But it's all you. For the mighty one has done great things for me. You see, I didn't do anything. He did it all. He gets the glory. He's the one who's doing this. He's driving the boat. I'm just his servant. But awesome if what happens through him driving the boat and me being his servant is the world gets his savior. Hallelujah. Mine the glory. Amen. Drop the mic. You see the heart of this young woman. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. That's an important verse, too. What do we learn from Mary in this Christmas season? Okay, What what do we need to take away from this so that we can apply it to our lives so that maybe during this Christmas season we can better focus on Jesus and worship him? What, What do we need to learn from Mary? Well, verse 50 is one of the first things I want us to realize. God's mercy is extended to those who fear and or revere him. In this season... It is very easy to put God in this itty-bitty little box, almost like God, Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny. Like, it's it's just another thing that we do. But who in their life does not today need mercy? God's mercies are new each and every day, and his mercy is poured out upon whom? Those who fear and revere him. So in this season, as we've said two weeks ago, And I'll say it again because I don't think you can say it too much. Revere Jesus in this season. Revere him so that in your hurting, in your weakness, in your moments of pain, he will give you mercy. He will meet you in those and will shed mercy upon you. The second thing, this is a big one, okay? Big one. You might want to write this one down, put it somewhere, important. This is the second truth that I want you to know about Christmas, okay? It's straight from Mary. you ready? It's not about you. Did you get it? What Mary? What'd Mary do? Whatever you say, Lord? I'm your servant. If anyone would have negotiating power, it would be Mary. Like if I'm going to carry him for nine months, I kind of want some wings, you know, like any, if anyone... If anyone could have had negotiating power, it is Mary. And she said, I'm your servant. I'm your servant. Church, this season is not about you. But so many of us want to make it that way. Well, I want the presents. And, and I, do you know it's maybe going to snow Christmas? Like a 20% chance. But you know it's going to snow? Have you looked out that far? I feel so bad that I'm about to say this, but I'm so excited. Like, if it snowed a little bit on Christmas, it's it's like there would be more Jesus at Christmas if it snowed. That's, I literally, I'm so sorry that that is a true thought that I have, but it's, and so what is that? Why is that so, like, because white Christmas are beautiful when we live in Oklahoma and we don't get those, and I want one so bad, and then I just had to repent and be like, but Jesus, you're enough. Like, you're enough. Even if it doesn't snow three inches and it's perfect outside, it's like, you're enough. And I have to remind myself of that because it's not not about me. And it's not about you. And you would be well advised to know that, church. Throughout the next week, just remember, in love, it's not about you. How different would those relationships with others look if you just realized it's not about you. And that's the great thing about self-denial, is that you have to choose to do it. Because we as humans are phenomenal at unconsciously being selfish. I wake up every morning and I kill being selfish. Like, I'm great at being selfish. I really am. I don't have to work at it. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to plan for it. I just am selfish. You know what I do have to work at? You know what I do have to plan for? You know what I do got to think about a lot? Is being selfless. Making it not about me. So that's our challenge, church. This next week, eight days away from Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. I don't know if it works that way or not. But anyway, eight days away. It's not about you. It's not about you. That's what Mary wants us to know. And finally, a challenge. Do everything you can in this next week to make everything that you do about Him. I am the Lord's servant. So as the band comes back up here, humble yourself before God, learn from Mary. I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. And today, as we respond, let, let me just make it very clear why we do this as a church. We open the Word, we read the Word, we hear the truth from the Word, we want to apply the truth from the Word, we want it to change our lives. So we want to provide a space and a time after the Word has been taught for you to respond to whatever the Word has spoken to you, whatever the Holy Spirit said to you through this. We want to provide a space for that. So for some of you, you heard today, I need to humble myself. So what you can do is in that, from that humble state, you can say, God, you are God, I am not. And you worship Him and you praise Him in these next 15, 18 minutes. That's, that's what you do. That, that's a beautiful, beautiful way to respond. Also, there's going to be pastors and prayer team lined up right here, up against this black wall, and right here. They're there to pray with you for whatever you want. Not what you want, whatever you desire to ask God. They're there to intercede with you. That's it. We want to pray. We want to pray because we believe that prayer unlocks the power of God. And we need the power of God unlocked in our lives. Because we're just regular old humans, and he's big old God. So prayer unlocks that power. And then right back there, in that corner, right back there in that corner, there's communion. The two elements, the bread and the cup. For you to take at your leisure during this response time to remember that our King and Savior came and died. He was born to die. And that, I believe, fuels our worship of Him. But most importantly, This response time is about you having the freedom and the space to respond to God. So really, you just need to hear him, and you need to do whatever he's calling you to do. Not what I'm calling you to do, whatever he's calling you to do. This is your space and your time to do that, to respond to God. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would humble us in light of who you are. I pray that we would respond to you because you're worthy of our praise and all that we can give. And I pray most importantly this morning, God, that through you and your Holy Spirit, you will be glorified. I ask that in the name of Jesus, amen. Let's stand church, let's respond to him.